0: I'm Scott
1: and I'm Melissa
0: and we are the Sunshine Travelers. Our passion is travel and sharing our experiences with those who enjoy it as much as we do or want to learn more about travel and even those that just want to live vicariously through our travel stories. No matter where you fall along that journey, get ready to hear about our firsthand experiences as we visit some of the most amazing places on earth. Today we'll be talking about our recent trip to Quito, Ecuador as a part of our journey to the Galapagos Islands. We'll journey back in time to the 16th century and colonial Quito during the Spanish colonization period. There we'll see the gilded churches and then make our way to the center of the earth as we visit a museum on Andean culture located at the equator. Pack your bag and join us as we share the sights, tastes and fun facts that we learned along the way. Ecuador is a country of 18 million people located on the western coast of South America. It's bordered by Colombia on the north, Peru on the east and south, and the Pacific Ocean on the west. Ecuador also includes the Galapagos Islands. Ecuador is made up of many indigenous groups of people that were gradually incorporated into the Inca Empire by the 15th century. The territory was colonized by Spain during the 16th century, and finally emerged as its own sovereign state in 1830. For more on the history of Ecuador, we'll put a few links in the show notes that can help you visit this incredible country firsthand. Now, our original plan was to record this episode while in Quito, but I think we underestimated the impact of Quito's elevation at almost 10,000 feet above sea level. (laughs) It takes a little while to get used to it, And we were only there for a day and a half. So let's talk a little bit about how we ended up in Quito. Melissa, you were heavily engaged in the planning of this trip.
1: Yes, and that, in our case, is usually the case. Scott usually just tags along and is the tourist. And I just, he asked, what are we going to do today? So, if you listen to the episode where we talked about our bucket list for travel, you'll know that the Galapagos Islands were on the list, even though we hadn't originally planned to go so soon. Last year, late in the year, we were approached by a couple of our friends to join them on this trip, and our immediate answer was, of course, we have the opportunity, let's go.
0: Yeah, I think that's Melissa's answer anytime someone talks about travel.
1: So we immediately began making plans uh, because these trips fill up fast. We booked this trip through a travel company called Galapagos Travel Center. We'll put the link to that in the show notes. And they want you to arrive a day early in Ecuador because for many parts of the world, there's usually only one flight a day in Quito. It gives you a little bit of buffer. And then it also gives a little bit more time for tourism in their country as well. So part of the tour package we booked with them included a guided tour on the day that we were in Quito. So the one full day. We got in the night before and then we had one full day. So we had a choice of three different tour options. Two of them were nature options, volcanoes. And then we had one that was a tour to go to the equator and of colonial Quito.
0: And that's the one that I wanted because I wanted to be able to go see the Gilded Churches. I've been to Quito for work before, but didn't do any sightseeing while there. And several of my Ecuadorian colleagues had, had suggested to me that on the next trip, I should make time to see the Gilded Churches in Quito.
1: And so we must note here that when Scott travels for work and I'm not in tow, which for years when our kids were younger, that was most of his trips, he sees the hotel the office or client site and wherever they might take him to dinner. That's all. And so of course I'm working hard to change that, especially when I'm with him. And so in a future episode, I'm going to share a funny story about him in New York and how now I've trained him how to use Google maps to find where he is and what is around him.
0: I'll never live that down. So look forward to that episode Um, we're going to record that one next. I think it's a bit of an introduction to who we are. So stay tuned, subscribe, make sure you, you follow us so that you'll know when that episode comes out. So let's back up for just a minute. We don't normally use a tour company when we travel. So what made this trip different?
1: So as we mentioned before, that some of our friends actually invited us to tag along on this trip, that they had already been planning and working with a couple of travel companies to see which one that they were going to book. And so we joined in pretty much – we had a little bit of input on which tour we were going to pick because that was something that Scott had a strong inclination toward wanting to do this Keto tour. But other than that, we were happy just to join in on what they were planning. So I would say what made this trip different was uh, booking it with them or planning it with them, but then also just the logistics of getting to and from the airport in Keto, taking another flight to the ship, there's necessary documentation and fees that you had to have and have paid for the galapagos islands national park and having the tour company on the ground in ecuador to handle all that ahead of time it just made the logistics super easy
0: so would you recommend using a tour company for anyone thinking about taking this trip
1: for a trip like this, I would say yes, because it wasn't just the cruise piece of it. It was it was getting there. And I also think having a travel advisor that is super familiar with the trip specifically that you're going to take and knows a lot about the logistics of that, what flights to book from Keto, to have someone get you to and from the airport, to take you on the tour. So basically, we just had to get ourselves to Keto by a certain day. And then they took care of the rest. So that's basically how we get to where we are in this point of the trip.
0: And so one of the things that we'll often do when we travel is not necessarily book our whole travel experience through a, a tour company. But once we get there, we'll use a site like Via Tours or something like that to book individual tours locally.
1: Yes, absolutely. And I've done that. We've done that several times in places in Italy and Portugal and things like that, to have a local tour guide on the ground to take you, especially in the cities.
0: And, and because this was part of the bigger Galapagos trip, it included a day of tours in Quito. But normally we would have just booked our travel to get to Quito um, when we got there we would use via tours or something like that to schedule uh, this type of tour.
1: Correct and we probably we may have booked that ahead of time just depending on how many days we had um, and that kind of thing and just depending on what we wanted to do as well. So and we can talk about this in a future episode but one time we booked a tour, um, in Milan that included seeing the Last Supper as part of the tour because you couldn't buy tickets that that trip was planned last minute. We couldn't buy tickets to that anymore. And so in order to see that while we were there, we booked the tour, had the whole city tour and we're able to, to do that. So that is a great option for city tours. And we'll talk a little bit more in a few minutes about why in some of these tours, it's a great idea to have a tour guide.
0: So tell us a little bit about the tour we did in Quito
1: yes so it was a full day of activity included history we visited a volcanic crater we had local cuisine and drinks and doing all of this at approximately ten thousand feet above sea level that's a big deal for those of us that spend a majority of our time living no more than 20 feet above sea level
0: yes it was definitely a full day of activity and then layer on top of that the altitude by the end of the day, we were absolutely zonked. Uh, it wasn't that we spent a lot of time necessarily doing strenuous activity or hiking or any of that stuff. It was just the culmination of being at that you know, high altitude and getting used to that.
1: Exactly. We had actually had hoped to that night do like a rooftop restaurant or something like that to have a city view and we were just too worn out. So definitely taking into account that elevation change because in this case too and that's another thing I wanted to mention why South America Central and South America is actually great option for North American travelers is because you don't have the time difference. So the jet lag for time difference yeah, which can no make that lag. a great option for travel so we started our day with a visit to the
0: Intinan museum
1: we started our day with a visit to the Intinan museum which boasts that the actual equator flows through the site of this indigenous history museum rather than the official monument that you can see towering over the location which celebrates ancient civilizations that once inhabited the region. If you take the guided tour from a student from the local college, they will provide you with that information about the ancient cultures and then lead you to what they claim to be the actual equator. And if you have a GPS, you should be able to pinpoint that this location sits less than two one-hundredths of a degree off the actual equator.
0: Yeah, and, you know, it's amazing that these ancient cultures figured out uh, this without the advantage of today's tools and technology, things like GPS. They literally used rocks and the sun to determine exactly where the equator or center of the Earth existed. So we were able to do um, some pretty interesting experiments, such as balancing a raw egg on top of a nail head, trying to walk a straight line with our eyes closed. Was that easy? No. No. Not at all. You fall over while trying to do it. Yes. Of course, I don't think I have to be on the equator to fall over while trying to (laughs) walk with my eyes closed. I think I would do it here (laughs) just as easily. But anyhow, it was a neat experiment. And then in addition to that, we saw how water flows differently depending on which side of the equator you're standing. Now, this last one, and they call it the Coriolis effect, uh, was a force. Um, demonstration but it does help to explain things like why tornadoes are in the northern hemisphere and cyclones exist in the southern hemisphere and it has to do with that rotation of the water um, depending on which side of the equator you're on
1: Yes. And I think if we hadn't done a tour, this is probably not somewhere where we would have said, oh, I mean, it was very neat to go to the equator, but probably go into this. But in hindsight, it was just a really fun activity to do while you're at the equator, especially for our first time. Our tour guide gave us the option at this point in the day to either go to the actual historical equator monument or to go see a volcanic crater. So we chatted among ourselves, and we actually chose the crater because we had seen the monument driving by, and we thought it would be nice to see something a little bit different. So we left the equator and made just a short drive to this volcanic crater. The crater is massive, and a small community has formed in the basin of this valley that's really left there. We just happened to time it right with clear skies for beautiful vistas and it allowed us to look down and across the edge of the crater and imagine just how massive that volcano that used to sit there must have been he said we were really lucky because in a, just a little bit later the clouds would have come and it would be very cloudy and possibly even some rain if you have the time and energy when you're there you can hike down into the crater as a day trip visit the community that has established itself down in the basin of the crater our guide said that many locals will hike down and camp in the basin and that's a favorite place for school trips to go and here At this location was also an opportunity to get some great deals on souvenirs that had been brought in from surrounding communities and support some local artisans in the shops they had set up there. And so don't forget when you're shopping at places like this, often, especially in foreign countries, you can bargain for the best deals and having a tour guide hand to help with that is also helpful and so i wanted to make a note here that every tour i've ever taken like this we've been to places like in mexico and i've been some on some tours in portugal where we stop at different places stop is always typically made at some kind of local shop or tradesman, just so that you can support the local economy so these tour guides have a, a really good business um you hiring them to take them places and so that way they're just kind of able to share their i guess the the economics of having having tourists you can you can see their wares and um support them as well
0: and you can tell often that they they know these shop owners and have have developed relationships with them and so when when they come in you know they get treated really well by By these shop owners and they're usually bringing around you know samples or you know bringing things to you to show you and uh so you know it's nice to help out the the local culture because i mean at the end of the day we're travel traveling to tourist destinations they depend on our tourism dollars and um so you know these local craftsmen they're just they're working to, to make a living for themselves and their families. And, you know, it's nice to be able to contribute to that and not just take away when you visit a location, right? Be able to give something back to the people there.
1: And you don't have any fill any obligation, obviously, to purchase anything. But it's nice, like if you're going to buy T-shirts or some kind of souvenir. And instead of just waiting and doing it at the airport, supporting people where most of the money is going to go back into their pockets. Yeah,
0: and, and I think on this trip we found out that like a lot of the souvenirs that you might have wanted to bring back from the Galapagos Islands, it was actually better to get them at this uh, crater. Uh, the price was a lot cheaper. Um, and then I think even some of the, the quality uh, was better than what we saw on the Galapagos You know, after we left the crater, our tour guide uh, knew a local place where you can go to get an Ecuadorian pan ice cream. And that was something I'd never seen before. It involves a large spinning uh, metal pan that sits on top of ice and they pour in a fresh fruit mixture um, of juices until it freezes into a soft frozen treat that kind of resembles ice cream. Um, More modern versions include all kinds of flavors. And on the day that we were visiting, Uh, They were making bubblegum flavored ice cream, I guess you would call it, even though I don't think there's any cream in it, but it was some kind of bubblegum flavored treat. And then Melissa and a few of our friends that were traveling with us were allowed to try and make the dessert themselves. I think they quickly realized that it was a lot tougher than it looked, and it kind of reminded you of uh, patting your head and rubbing your tummy at the same time.
1: Yes. It was not easy feat. It was difficult. So this was supposed to be just a quick stop for a quick treat. But our guide, again, we could tell that he knew the shop owner. And so it was fun to try our hand at making, um, trying to make this real quick. And of course, trying some at the end. And we were on our way into downtown Quito, where we had a reservation for a delicious Ecuadorian lunch. But I, of course, will never turn down eating dessert first. And I even had to buy two ice creams or it was more like a sorbet and so it was made from local fruits and we wouldn't know if we would have them again so I had to try two different flavors.
0: And then after lunch it was time to stroll through Colonial Quito. Uh, This is something that I've been looking forward to for years since my last visit to Quito for work. We walked out on a magnificent plaza that was surrounded by historic buildings, churches, cafes, and even the presidential palace. In 1978, the city of Quito was recognized as a UNESCO heritage site and rewarded for being the best preserved, least altered historic center in Latin America. Here in colonial Quito, we were able to visit three of the gilded churches built during the Spanish colonization period. The 17th century Jesuit church named La Iglesia de la Campana de Jesus. And if I butchered that, please forgive me, and then also the 16th century church and monastery called the Iglesia y Monasterio de San Francisco. These buildings uh, featured ornate interiors that were covered in literally tons of gold leaf. The Iglesia y Monasterio de San Francisco took nearly 70 years to complete. However, the style of decoration continued to evolve for another 150 years after completion. Imagine you walk in there and every surface covered in ornate wood and gilded with shiny gold leaf. It's definitely a sight to see. If you love architecture, this is definitely a place you're going to want to add to your travel list. Uh, A couple of the churches don't want you to take pictures while inside. So use this as an opportunity to fill your memory banks with unbelievable works of art that just cannot and is not replicated today.
1: While walking around downtown, our guide introduced us to several local candies, including locally made dark chocolate with very interesting, unique, some good, some not so good flavor combinations, a local sugarcane liqueur, and other delicious snacks that you will only find in Ecuador. That's the other benefit from having a guide here is that we would have definitely missed trying all these different and delicious foods and snacks if we had been on our own in the old town. We just wouldn't have known what to try and where to stop and who to try it from. So we finished the day with a spectacular view of Quito from an area up on the mountainside and then back to the hotel for a little rest and relaxation before dinner.
0: And we did something for dinner that we normally wouldn't do in many areas of the world. We ate at the hotel. We were all pretty tired from the full day of activities, and we knew that we had to get up early the next morning for our journey onward to the Galapagos. Um, So someone had recommended during the day that we try some seafood paella while we were here, and it just so happened that our hotel uh, had a seafood restaurant in it. And I've personally had paella all over the world, and this wasn't, wasn't bad. Um, it did allow us to get something good to eat and get ready for the next day without staying up too late, which was kind of important to the group at that time. I will add here that if you enjoy an adult beverage or two, uh, you might want to pay attention. As I say, the effects of alcohol in those altitudes is much more impactful on your body and it goes to your head very quickly. So Melissa, I think we should try something new for all of our episodes that are about traveling to a specific place. Let's give the listeners a list of all the essential items that they need to pack when visiting Quito.
1: Absolutely. I love a good list and especially a good packing list. So first and foremost, I would say definitely bring sturdy walking shoes. So like many older and colonial cities, the streets are made of stone and tile and you definitely want to be able to walk safely on uneven surfaces without worrying about twisting your ankle. Anytime that you're visiting churches, I would recommend pants or a skirt and to wear or bring something to cover your shoulders. So I had brought a light jacket, which is also good if the building is too cold. So sometimes churches, especially in Europe as well, you can't go in if you have on like spaghetti strap tank tops or shorts or anything like that. So just being mindful of a dress code. Next, I would say definitely phones for pictures, cameras for pictures, and then you want to bring a small bag or a backpack to kind of keep your, your thing safe and close to your body, and especially in cities and towns. Um, since we were near the equator, and it was sunny for most of the day, a hat, sun. Glasses, sunscreen, but you also want to bring along, if it's rainy season, a rain jacket or an umbrella as well. And so you can kind of store that in the bag. Credit cards, just in case, and then cash for tips. Always want to have tips for your tour guides and for souvenirs if they don't take credit cards as well. And then um, the museum for the equator also had a stamp where you could stamp your passport. So if you bring that along, you could stamp that. So one other thing I wanted to mention about Ecuador. If you want another way to support uh, the economy there and the local people there, there is a program called Kiva where you can make micro loans to people in different countries in the world and Ecuador is a big one. So for example um, you could find some of these small shop owners um, in all kinds of places in Ecuador, and you could make microloans to them where they just basically borrow a small amount of money, but it supports their livelihood and their um, families and their businesses, and then they pay that back over time. So again, go to Kiva or download the app, and you can check into supporting support in some of the local small business owners in Ecuador.
0: And you say it's a small loan to you, but it's a huge loan to them. And so uh, check that out. We encourage you to be a part of that. We're gonna put some uh, links in the show notes where you can learn more about Quito and the contact information for our tour guide that did such a great job. Um, He shared a vast amount of knowledge of the geography, the people and the culture of Ecuador. If you have a favorite place to visit in Quito that we didn't cover, leave us a comment as we're always looking for new places to discover and things to do. We hope that you enjoyed this episode and will find some inspiration for your next trip. Or perhaps this is something that you want to add to your bucket list. Most importantly, subscribe to our podcast and share it with your friends to help them catch the travel bug. You never know, they may become your greatest travel companion.